What's going on, everybody? So today we have a very special guest. It's a good friend of mine, and that is going to be Takoa. He is the founder of Few, and we're going to be talking about you know what he's been doing with his projects, what the future is going to be looking like. So Takoa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Patrick. It's a honor to be here, and uh, really exciting to share more about Few and mm -hmm. what it's all about, especially with our upcoming second launch for mm -hmm. Paradigm. All right. Collection. Okay. So uh, as we get started, you know, some people may not be super familiar with exactly what few is and, you know, the way you do your marketing on Twitter is like kind of mysterious, right? So can you like briefly just give like a quick summary of what is few before we get into your, you know, uh, like who you are as a person? Absolutely. So Forgotten Interior Worlds uh, was initially a project that stemmed from my love of landscapes mm -hmm. and that was mm. the Genesis Collection which was based purely on landscape art. And the key thing that differentiates that from other NFT projects, it's not a PFP project, no. It actually mimics the real world, whereby when time goes by, you would see the landscapes actually evolve with plant life growth as time goes on. So that's the key difference. So the, that is Forgotten Ethereal's Vault's uh, genesis. And essentially, it's, the focus is about community, with the 350 NFTs, we also focus on alpha calls, similar like an alpha pass. But at the same time, the ratio of our whitelist giveaways that we give back to our holders in a form of value, that is something where we are very proud of. We have given back value to our community of over 10 million USD mm. just in whitelist giveaways alone. That's a lot. So yeah, for me, it's very important that we place you know, and continue to give back value to our communities in any form of way that we can possibly do so. Mm. That leads us into our next collection, Paradigm. Yeah, but, which is hold on, hold on. Before before we yeah. get into Paradigm, right? Because you know, for for these interviews, people love the project, obviously, but they also want to really know the founder. And is it okay if we kind of dive into like yeah. your, you know, like who you are as a person? Because that's probably the most important when it when it comes to buying an NFT, right? Absolutely. Okay. The question I actually have is, you know, for for you, right? Before you started few, before you started doing alpha calls, what were you doing before NFTs? You know, that's a great question. So right before I was doing NFTs, mm -hmm. I was doing a full time role mm -hmm. as a business analyst in a renewables advisory house in Melbourne. Okay. So that was my post, but. At the same time, I was a co-founder mm -hmm. for a Axie Infinity scholarship program, mm -hmm. which basically lends out Axies, which is a, you could say, a token, mm -hmm. all right, little creatures, so you can play with them yep. and earn crypto tokens yep. in exchange. So we did that for some time. And then I stumbled into NFTs. I saw how vibrant the space was, mm -hmm. and I decided to go full-time into Web3 to mm. build out few. Got you. And then for the Axies, it's kind of like you bought the, the NFTs and then you rent it out Correct. to another person and then Absolutely. they make some money and then you get a cut as the person who bought the NFT, right? Exactly. You got it. Got you. Okay. And then from there, you got into NFTs just because like, I guess your first NFT would have been Axie and then you just kind of, were you like degening into stuff? Like, you know, like well, how did that transition happen? Yeah. So interestingly enough, at that point in time, we did not realize that Axie Infinity was NFTs itself. Oh, really? Right? You so, oh, so yeah, okay, Axie okay. Infinity, like the Axies are actually the non-fungible tokens, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, but they are kind of centralized within its own chain, Ronin chain. Mm -hmm. So that was the first experience when it comes to tokens. But my first NFT purchase mm -hmm. was actually a pudgy penguin. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a pudgy penguin of a top 10% rarity. Yeah. 
I spent five ETH on that Wait, as my first the first purchase. one. So you just like yeah, I, I'm going yeah. all in. I'm buying a five ETH. I'm thing. going all in. <laughs> but why though? Why why a five ETH? Why not why not just like the floor? Here's the thing. When I first came to the space, I had absolutely no clue what was a good investment mm. and what was not. Mm. And from that experience, I learned that it is not wise mm. to buy a mid rare mm. at all. Yep. It's either you buy the top one yep. percent, the bottom, or the floor. <laughs> yeah. All the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's just like, you just didn't know, right? You just didn't know. I didn't know. Didn't know better. Uh, okay. Okay. So you bought the Pudgy Penguin and then you just like bought more NFTs after that? Were you like hooked? Yeah. I got hooked in the sense of the communities that surrounded these these NFTs. Mm. We, we we saw Beisi. We saw Macy. Mm-hmm. We saw Cyber Kongs. Mm-hmm. We saw Pudgy Penguins. Mm-hmm. I saw how NFTs was a movement for communities to rally to something that, that they like, the art. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and that was a very unique turning point, right? Because at that point, we all never really heard about NFTs until like Top Shot came about mm. in January 2021. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then we had Basie and all all these animal profile pictures mm-hmm. started to pop up in the market. Mm-hmm. But what really hooked me in was how people mm-hmm. really, you know, they are full on supporting and rallying and, and it really gathers people together. I think that's yeah. the beauty about NFTs. Yeah. It really gathers people together. Yeah, it's like a culture, right? Like I remember when I first started buying alternative coins, it's like you buy the coin and the price goes up and down, but I didn't feel connected with the people who bought the same coin, right? Whereas for NFTs, there is that culture. Like the first NFT I bought was actually a CyberCon. So I was kind of lucky on that and a CyberCon baby. And then, um, you know, you feel the culture, you know, and that's the difference. And that got me hooked. Absolutely. So like when I bought my Pudgy Penguin, I was one with the community as mm. well. I was wrapping that as my profile picture on Twitter <laughs> you know, and on Discord. And I'm sure you did do yeah, as well yeah. with your cybercoms. Yeah, of course. So it's that something that we can be proud of, mm. right? We are proud to be in, in this community. That's why we show it off as our profile picture. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy that it, it's like saying... That is me. Yeah, I am this penguin, right? I am my penguin. My penguin is me. Kind of, kind of thing. That's that's right. Exactly. <laughs> you started getting into NFTs. The culture hooked you or got you more interested, right? Where it's you know it's more like emotional in a sense. We talked before, you know, before this interview, and you said that you started out as like an alpha caller, you know, and you created like free communities yeah. and stuff like that. So can you can you walk me through your transition from you know buying and selling NFTs into then wanting to you know do alpha calling? Yeah, absolutely. So when I after the whole Pudgy Penguin shenanigans. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I basically joined a few alpha groups Mm -hmm. and essentially started to watch and learn Mm -hmm. how they tackle or navigate through this Mm -hmm. NFT space, Mm -hmm. right? In the time that I entered, we had Kaiju Kings dropping, Mm -hmm. we had Doodles dropping, Mm -hmm. we had Jungle Free, uh, Mechaverse. Mm -hmm. That was the time of high gas wars it was really good time in the sense of really good projects solid projects coming out mm-hmm. but it was in no way friendly for new people who had no liquidity coming oh in yeah space. yeah you had to spend so much money on gas wars at that time right everything was min- max min- exactly mm-hmm. exactly i i've lost a lot in just those gas wars itself mm-hmm. and not get anything <laughs> in return right yeah. because that's how Eve works. Yeah. So basically spending time in alpha groups, just learning the trade, learning about the whole space in general. Mm-hmm. And from then, I realized that my analyst background helped me in analyzing projects mm-hmm. that had the potential to perform well. So that's when I started to share my personal thoughts. Of course, it's all non-financial advice. Mm-hmm. But I, sh- I shared projects that I thought would do well, mm-hmm. even if it was for a quick flip. Mm-hmm 
or for a long haul. Mm. It all depends, right? Yeah. I shared it in Kaiju Kings, mm-hmm. which is one of the NFT communities that I have been mm. in since day one. They are really great family and community is strong. The team is great. And I basically started sharing calls there, mm. you know, for free. Like just, oh, I think this project might do well. Sure. And uh, we had a lot of fun times. Of course, you know, not all of them did well. Of course, right? That's how it goes. Of course. But Ray from uh, Nanopass mm-hmm. and Absinthe, they saw what I was doing. Mm-hmm. They they liked it. Mm-hmm. And so I was brought on into the Nanopass team as a alpha caller. Mm. Okay. And then so you, you were alpha caller in Nanopass. And then from there, you did pretty much sharing your thoughts, helping people out. And then did you just decide like, hey, you know, I can probably create my own group now, now that I got some experience. Yeah, so actually I created my own group before Nano got me on. Mm. Yeah, it was called Fishing Peel. It was a f- closed alpha Discord mm-hmm. and only people that entered in could get access to my calls yeah. and such. And they were just your friends right. at the time? They were just my friends at the time. It was just a couple of guys just degenerating <laughs> to stuff, yep. right? Late nights. Mm-hmm. But that was when people started to take notice and... Sooner or later, I just kind of freeballed, you know, into something bigger than what I initially thought it would be. I started to gain traction on Twitter, mm-hmm. and that's how I eventually merged my fishing pier mm-hmm. into my NFT project called Few. I see. So was it just like you had, you know, fishing pier, and you just like, hey, you know what? Let's turn this into like a real project. And then it's just you're like, okay, I'm doing a new project now. And then it just you change the name and everything like that. Is that how it works? So actually, I started Forgotten Ethereal World mm-hmm. separately from Fishing Pier. Mm, okay. But I realized that my attention was divided, and I wanted to focus more attention into building Few. Mm. So hence merging oh, the Fishing Pier into Few. I see. Because Few started out more like a landscape project, not necessarily an alpha group. Correct. Uh, then you're just like, well, if I'm going to do an NFT, I might as well offer them more utility, right? Absolutely. And one of the utilities is from our community alpha calls, mm-hmm. as long as the whitelist giveaways as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Got you. And when you were deciding to do a landscape project, because that's, that's a little different, especially during that time when you started, PFPs were hot or are still kind of hot, right? But then, you know, you said in the beginning of the interview, you, you love, you have passion for landscape, right? So can you talk to me about that? Because that, that sounds pretty interesting. So I was actually a hobby slash professional photographer mm. for many years during college. And essentially, you know, I used to take portraits of events, real estate, graduations, weddings, but one of my passion is landscape itself. Like I really enjoy going out into nature mm. and just feeling the calm and peace just looking in the land ahead of me. I wanted to bring that that vibe, that, that feeling, feeling when people saw the NFTs itself. Uh-uh. And that's why I did a landscape project. That's interesting. So it's really like a, a, an extension of your personal interest, which I think is pretty cool, right? Because that makes it different versus... You know, doing like the angry beavers or whatever. (laughs) That's the thing, Patrick. You know, during that season, all there was that was launching were projects of PFPs, Mm. profile pictures, Mm -hmm. and all of them were derivatives of one another. Mm. There was no innovation. Mm. There was no clear separation of high quality project or Mm. a project that was well thought out, a lot of thought put into it. Mm -hmm. But rather it was just a copy and paste of each and every project. And so I thought, It'll be different. It'll be very cool to see uh, how we can differentiate ourselves. Yeah. And hence, going with a landscape project. So, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, when, when it comes to like PFPs, right, one of the advantages I see is that when people buy it, they can change their picture profile. And so, in a way, that person is almost like an advertisement for that PFP. And for a landscape project, 
you know, it's kind of not many people are, are going to change their picture to a landscape. So did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, actually, that's a really great point that you brought up. As we all know, people can use their profile pictures. They will use their profile pictures in support for the communities that they are in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I did with Pudgy Penguins mm -hmm. and you did with your CyberCons. Mm -hmm. What I realized is because we are a landscape-based NFT, it is a lot more difficult mm -hmm. for us for free marketing when people don't use our landscapes as their profile pictures. Yeah. They would be like, what is this? Yeah, what is this cactus? Profile picture? <laughs> exactly. So we're definitely pushing the boundaries of what NFT projects should be mm -hmm. because we have seen every project so far, it's a PFP. And I mm -hmm. get it because it helps rally people together in communities mm -hmm. for the art and they can that mm -hmm. to represent themselves mm -hmm. right and they see the nft they see themselves in that and that's mm -hmm. what i think azuki did well mm -hmm. but for us we have to push the boundaries and lean towards banner art mm. no that, that definitely is a good point right because if everyone has a picture profile everybody also needs a banner right exactly got you okay so i'm looking at the you know, the art for few, you know, it's quite interesting. It feels like I'm on another planet when I'm looking at it, right? Different colors, different, the land is like different colors and stuff. So how did you like come up with the, the concept of this? Like, are you the creative director of the project or did you have to work with different people to, to put this all together? Yeah, so the initial Genesis collection, mm -hmm. I hired my artist, mm -hmm. my close friend, my childhood friend, mm -hmm. um, Alex. Mm -hmm and he worked on the Genesis art in his style. As for our paradigm, mm -hmm. we hired a whole team of artists mm -hmm. and Suikon is my creative dev mm -hmm. and creative director. So he's leading the art side of things this round. Got you, got you. And then like, how did, how did they decide like the look and feel of it? Were you just like, hey, I want to make this look like, you know, we're on Mars or something, you know? Yes, yeah, so e essentially we first come up with uh, different themes of the world mm -hmm. that we are looking for, like different colors. Mm -hmm. And we try our best to, you know, uh, identify what should be in each world. So native plants to those world, different plants for different types of worlds. Mm. Yeah, and then going based on that for the genesis. Yes. Oh, I see. So these would be different worlds, essentially, right? Like each like setting. Correct. Ah, okay. So actually it takes a lot more like brain power. It does. Because like it's not like random, no. like when someone's looking at it, right? They're going to be like, oh, there's like trees here, a mountain here. But actually each place is like its own universe in a sense or own, own planet. Essentially, yes, that's correct. So for Paradigm, I would like to mm -hmm. say that our art, I know we have not released any sneak peeks as of now, mm -hmm. but Patrick, you have seen some. Those yeah. are completely generated by code. Mm -hmm. Those are not layered at all mm -hmm. it's all generated by our engine which we have built and spent three months making each and every nft in paradigm will be unique and different gotcha and just so everyone watching paradigm is a second collection so he's saying that the second collection it's algorithmically created is that fair yes, to say correct you can say so how does one go about creating that do you just have to like build a custom thing and yes. put all the assets together and create all the rules like Yes. I'm not I'm not like a professional when it comes to like this kind of art. Yeah, so we have to set parameters. Mm -hmm. We have to distinguish certain traits, what can appear, what cannot appear mm -hmm. based on certain conditions and essentially, you know, generate that with the textures, distance, but whether there will be hills, mountains at the back, plant life, the yeah. sky, all of that would be generated by the engine. Gotcha. And it's oh. all in 3D. Okay, so the whole thing is in 3D. So it's not like, well, you, you yeah. export it as an image, right? But then... It's yeah. also like a 3D environment that... Correct. Hence, it is actually 
metaverse ready. Interesting. Well, first, before we get into the metaverse part, which is quite interesting to me, how difficult is it to create something like this? You know, is it like, can anyone put together a team and be like, all right, we're going to, you know, randomly like put all these things together and oh, the machine will spit it out? Or is it like a lot harder than people think? I think it's a lot harder than what people think. It mm -hmm. took us a lot of trial and error. Mm. Um, months of uh, working at it. Also, even if you do work at it, it takes a vision to basically develop it from the ground up because you can have an idea of what you generally want, but to actually build it from the ground up in mm -hmm. exact detail of how you would envision a land and then have it generate into infinitely mm -hmm. as many NFTs as you want mm -hmm. uh, through that engine is not an easy feat. Mm. So pretty difficult. All right, moving into the second project. You said it's metaverse ready. You know, you told me a lot of things behind the scenes, but what can you share with people with what can they expect from phase two of this? Absolutely, yeah. I would love to share about our play to play to see. Mm -hmm. So play to collect exploration. All right. Yeah. Forgotten Ethereal Worlds, one of our mission and goals is to be the bridge between Web 2 and Web 3 mm -hmm. with a focus on interoperability. Okay. What, is that, what does that word mean? Sounds like a big word. Yes. Interoperability means having seamless integration across different systems, or you could say in this case, different NFT projects. Mm -hmm. Basically for us, with our exploration mm -hmm. feature, we will be partnering up with many Web2 brands mm -hmm. and Web3 brands, mm -hmm. other NFT projects, okay. to come in to our viewers through our exploration feature, through Metaverse Play. Got you. Okay. Would that mean that, let's say I have a certain NFT, I can like import it into your world? Is that is that the idea? That's the idea. I see. And then if a brand wanted to also put their, I don't know, like a Mercedes-Benz car or something into the world, that's also like mm -hmm. the general concept, right? Correct. I see. So one, one question I have is that, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, metaverse plays like The Sandbox, Decentraland, and other companies, right? And the issue I see is that, you know, sometimes even though they create these worlds, they might be empty. For example, like Decentraland. <laughs> like I logged in one time and there's nobody there. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I think people will wonder like, okay, like, you know, why will this world be different? Why, why will I want to spend my time on it? Good question. Well, one thing that I would say differentiates us mm -hmm. from Sandbox and Decentraland mm -hmm. is the active community behind Few. There is no point in launching a metaverse mm -hmm. if you do not have a player base to play the game or to play in the metaverse. Yeah. That's why, you know, for Yuga, mm -hmm. they also are creating their own metaverse, mm -hmm. but it's possible and I would say it's going to be even more successful than Sandbox and Decentraland. Mm. Why? Because they already have so many people yeah. associated with Basie, Macy, good communities there. So likewise, for us, one of the key differentiation is that first, we have a very strong community. Mm -hmm. Second is our world will be able to represent, best represent Web2 brands. Mm. So you could say a Mercedes car, an Audi car, mm -hmm. in the garage, for example, or on your worlds mm -hmm. in as much detail as the real world. Oh, like very like high resolution and everything. High resolution, yes. Oh, interesting. Okay, so whereas like other, you know, metaverses, it would be, you know, they can't really handle those that resolution, right? It's got to be Correct. like voxel or something like that. Correct. Mm, I see. So let's say, you know, I have, you know, one of these worlds, right? And, you know, I got a little house, or, you know, whatever it is. And I got a Mercedes Benz in my garage. From there, I think people will wonder like, okay, but what can I do? Like, is it that I invite my friends over and I like show them my collection? Or, you know, what's the, what's the idea? Am I going to play games? You know? Yeah. So the idea is 
we have two phases. The first phase, which which is our idle game, mm-hmm. our exploration game. Mm-hmm. You'll be clicking some buttons, mm-hmm. and you'll be sending out your explorer to go find some mysterious loot boxes mm. within the fieldverse. Mm. And then you come back. You could potentially find some metaverse items. Mm-hmm. You could potentially find some second tokens, which is uh, called qubits, mm-hmm. and that would be essential within the few ecosystem mm-hmm. you might find some really cool collaboration items within those loot boxes as well i can't share too much mm. but best to find out for yourself now for the second phase we are looking at having your own nft museum so similar to what artifact mm-hmm. pods is you would be able to display your nfts mm-hmm. within your homes i see so hanging on the wall and things like that and then would you is the idea that people would come into your museum or house and then you would like i guess like chat about nfts like in that in that world (laughs) yeah well all of that would require significant game development yeah yeah Uh, yeah and that's going to take a lot of time Mm -hmm. uh, to build but that is our grander vision Mm. for the project okay so it's got to be in phases right like it's got to be in phases. yeah you can't just like come out with a whole game in like the first month which would be crazy no so it's gonna be crazy if we do that So for our Genesis, we we launched with a 0.125 ETH mm-hmm. mint, and currently our floor is around sitting at an eight to nine ETH. Yeah, that's a quite D- yeah, that's quite jump. Mm-hmm. So for us with Paradigm, our focus is with fundraising. So that means actually internally fundraising ourselves mm-hmm. to build out the actual game mm-hmm. and development of all of this without going to VCs. Mm. So okay, so basically you would see your project more like. More like a startup, not necessarily just a small project, you know, because no. we've seen in the past that people, they make these projects and then they, they'll take out like most of the money and they'll, you know, you know, you know how it goes. Right. So like, can yeah. you share like, I guess the more of the business side of things, like how do you see few in, in terms of like a startup and building a longer term company? Excellent question. So me and my core team, mm-hmm. we've actually set up an office in Melbourne. So we actually go to the office and handle our brainstorming sessions there mm-hmm. and talk about the direction of few mm-hmm. and discuss on what we need to do in order to reach our goal. We also have, you know, regular team meetings on a daily with each of our departments. So we have Axeed handling the, he's the community lead. He handles all the operation side of things, the HR mm-hmm. and events and the mods. Mm-hmm. And then there is uh, Suikon, who is our creative dev. Mm-hmm. He is the bridge between the dev side of things mm-hmm. and the art side of things. So he handles the artist, the art direction. Oh, I see. And, we, and then we have myself which handle the marketing, the partnerships, the yeah. connections, and the uh, collaborations, wireless yeah. collabs, and all of that. Got you. Okay, so everybody kind of has their own role. Actually, one question I'm curious about, when you say creative dev, I haven't heard that term before. So does that, does that mean that person handles the development side and then they also handle the art side? So they handle like two different teams? Yeah, so the so initially Suikon's original role was a front-end dev because he has a very good and nice creative flair in him. He has an eye for art as well. Mainly right now, he is connecting or let's just say communicating mm-hmm. with the dev side, right? We have our own lead dev. Mm-hmm. So he's communicating with our lead dev to make sure that the art side and the dev side can coincide and work well together, mm-hmm. speaking about the generative aspect of those NFTs. Got you. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so another question I have for the whole few universe is that, you know, when I look at projects you know in the past or even now it's like a lot of times they'll have tokens and a lot of times those tokens over time don't become very valuable right 
Because like before, you know, like a few months ago, everybody was launching a token. Everybody's doing a whitelist marketplace, for example. And then it just usually doesn't work out that well. You know, you mentioned that for your project, you also have tokens, right? So I'm curious to understand, like, when it comes to the economics and tokenomics, like, like, do you feel pretty confident that you guys can like sustain a token? And like, what are the things that you guys are going to do to to make sure that, you know, everything doesn't come down crashing? Because you know how it goes. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, uh, we have brought on a notable tokenomics advisor. His name is Wolfie mm -hmm. or Ben. He is also advising Godzilla mm -hmm. on their Jira tokens and tokenomics. Got you. Okay. So we've brought him onto our team to advise us on our tokenomics and making sure that, you know, the system itself is well maintained mm -hmm. and it can sustain itself. When it comes to the sustainability part, I'm not sure if, if you're the one that thinks about it or, you know, Ben is the one that thinks about it, but like, how does that go? Do you just think of ways to spend the tokens and then that basically offsets the production of tokens? So essentially when you, every Genesis world, mm -hmm. The Genesis collection mm -hmm. is able to produce uh, two francs token mm -hmm. a day. Yeah. And these are ERC20 tokens. Yeah. Yeah. So that will be the premium token mm -hmm. for the Vue ecosystem. Mm -hmm. We will be introducing a secondary token, mm -hmm. which will be off-chain. So it's not an ERC20 token. Mm -hmm. It's going to be called Qubits. Mm -hmm. And that will be our, you could say, general token. So... Uh, for people, when you're you know, wondering, like off-chain is when it's not on Ethereum. Like what is the difference? Why off-chain? Is that easier? Is that cheaper? You know, because Ethereum is quite expensive. Yes, off-chain is cheaper. Mm -hmm. And also because we will be able to adjust based on levels of demand and supply mm -hmm. of the token usage. So we can adjust prices. Wait, wait, how does that work? You adjust the price of the token or? No, so we can adjust the prices of goods in, oh, let's oh. Just say, our marketplace. Got you, yeah. got you. So that, so that would just make it easier to just like, change things right because like, if you do it on ethereum once you hard code it in it's hard to like undo is that how it works right correct so what are the things people will be able to do with their tokens uh, i'm not sure if you can how much you can review but it's like okay there's going to be some kind of marketplace i'm guessing well without spoiling too much alpha here essentially qubits and francs will be used within the ecosystem there will be a opportunity for you to convert francs into qubits to be used within our platform and you'll be earning you could be finding some qubits within the loot boxes as you play the exploration game those qubits will be used in a variety of methods in the future when it comes to let's just say marketplaces we have developed a unique system of a marketplace which we have not released so not too much information quite yet, but there's going to be a, some kind of marketplace where you can spend these things. Yes, correct. And the other question I have is like, you know, for a lot of NFT projects, sometimes like when you think about a sustainable business, there has to be some kind of revenue stream, right? It can't just be like, we're going to create more NFTs, we're going to create tokens, and then it's like, we ran out of money, so we got to create another NFT. I'm curious to understand like, you know, because you guys see yourself more as like a company or a startup, right? Can you talk to me about how you're thinking about like potential revenue streams, you know, moving forward in the future? First and foremost, you know, most of the main revenue for any NFT project would be to launch it and to mint out. That's the initial revenue to the business, right? One of the ways apart from that would be the secondary royalties of the project. That would be the main way as of now for us as a project. But moving forward into the future, we do have plans and that would benefit, you could say, the main project, the main co, pumping back revenue into the main co. For example, we have few Jira 
Mm. F-E-W. Jira. Yeah, what, what is this? Yeah. I've been hearing about it. What, what is going on there? So Few Jira is our partnered collection mm-hmm. between Project Gojira mm-hmm. and Few. Okay. And essentially, we are splitting that down 50-50 in the middle. And this project would actually help, let's just say, the liquidity situation mm. for both projects mm-hmm. and benefits to both Genesis holders. But how does, how does that work though? Because um, I'm, I'm actually not familiar with this. So if you partner up with, let's say, Project Gojira or anybody else, and you create a new NFT collection, doesn't that like dilute the supply? Because you both had to increase supply to create this new thing, right? Yes. So Fujira would have its own set of utilities. Mm-hmm. But personally, I think dilution is actually a good thing. Mm, okay. Why? Because it gets people into your ecosystem mm-hmm. and your get associated with your brand because they can't afford the Genesis. So now they can afford it through a lower price. Okay. And that means more people take note of your brand, more people are involved in your brand, mm-hmm. more people are part of your community, and more people will inadvertently talk about it to their friends. I see. So it depends on like what the price point is and how many people can enter, right? Correct. Gotcha. Because I, I was thinking like, you know, if they're going to go for, you know, the second phase of your project, that would also have the same solution, right? Where, you know, it's like a cheaper price and people go into phase two and then if they want to move up, they get the Genesis. Isn't like a similar concept, but you just like, another arm yes essentially that's another arm and we do have more plans in the future but mm-hmm. i'll keep that sealed for now <laughs> okay okay fair enough fair enough okay I'm, I'm sure yeah i'm sure there's a reason if you're gonna be doing it i'm just curious as well yeah no worries you know you said before you kind of want like brands to be in your world yeah can you share with me anything about like those kind of plans like w- like how do you think about that yeah sure so we actually have locked in a couple of uh, web 2 partnerships mm. which i can't share right now okay but in due time, you would know and see that information being released on Twitter. Because second collection isn't out yet, you have the first one. How do you convince these brands to want to jump on board when the world is you know, yet to be created? Good question. So one of the ways that we pitch or at least share mm-hmm. our project to them is the potential and the vision. Mm. A lot of these brands, what they really want is marketing exposure. They want to be known that they are stepping to Web3 or the NFT space mm-hmm. or being part into the metaverse, for example. That's why they go into sandbox. They buy a land, yeah. but there's no use for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just branding for them, like in, for now at least. At least for now it is. But the end goal was to, you know, at the same time, have our community, mm-hmm. which is very active, be a part and collect these Web2 brands that they feel associated with. I see. So if the collectible is like actually good and maybe it will be worth something, then it might be worth it to have... That kind of NFT, right? Yes, correct. And I see. And for these brands, it might even be their first, like dipping their toe into NFT. So it might even be their first NFT ever. Holders have opportunity to get that. Absolutely. That's correct. Ah, I see. I see. I can see how that can be a revenue source, right? Where brands would want to basically ask for you for advice and, and how to actually exactly get into the space. Yeah, I have had a couple of conversations with Web2 brands that are looking to come into the space. Mm-hmm but they are all unsure of how to do so, especially if you do not have people that are already in the Web3 space. Like on their team, right? Yeah, it's very difficult for them. And with all the legal complexities as well, for them Mm. as a global brand, for example, coming in will take a lot of hurdles and steps to resolve to step in. It takes a very long time for them to do so. Uh, I would imagine. Yeah, if they're a big global brand, they go into NFT spaces and if they mess up, it looks pretty bad, right? Exactly. Uh, Yeah, it's all about brand reputation for them. 
Okay, got you, got you. So you're bringing on these brands, you're creating this world, you are gonna have fun, and you're gonna have these games. I would say it's pretty interesting, definitely an interesting project. So when it comes to the future of what you want FU to look like, you know, when we're thinking, let's say like five years from now, for example, like what is the grand vision? The grand vision for FU is the same, which is continuing to be the bridge for Web2 and Web3, connecting those two. We are the bridge with a focus on interoperability. So when I say that, I'm talking about us banding together strong Web3 IPs in this space, supporting one another. So just to give you some uh, alpha, we have partnered up with Karafuru, we have partnered up with Llamaverse, Gojira, and many other projects that are looking to stay here in this space for the long term and to continue to build. And that means supporting one another in as many ways as we can, because if we support each other, there's a less likelihood that each of us are going to disappear. Disappear. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the thing. Yeah. And do you feel like, you know, during this time in the NFT space, because we're actually quite early, do you feel like it's almost like um, you know, back in the days when social media came out, you know, there were brands or companies that would be like, hey, you should be on Facebook. You should be advertising on Facebook. They're like, what's Facebook? Do you feel like it's kind of like that, but you know, more Web3? Yes, yes, I do think it's like that to a certain extent. Uh, we are very early in NFTs, but at the same time, I see the market or this space really growing very quickly and maturing very quickly as well. Yeah, like a lot of brands are starting to get into the space. Whereas like a year ago, it was just like pudgy penguins and like whatever animal, right? But now it's like companies are like coming out of this space right now. So essentially last year, there was a lot of projects. The, the first movers, they, you know, like Basie, uh, Pudgy Penguins, Cool Cat, Cyber Kongs, they had the mm. uh, golden time for them to like thrive, you know, essentially. Thrive, right? yeah. 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 And, and a lot of projects that started last year does not have a good roadmap. They don't mm -hmm. have utility. They were able to sell out and do well like be okay for the like few months but now what i've noticed is that as the space evolved we as people our minimum requirement of what is known to be a good project has increased we demand a lot more yeah people actually like want you to work not just sell a picture of an animal yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's any project that's looking to launch now mm -hmm. they can't just okay here's a nice pfp that's mm -hmm. it for charity that's it no yeah uh, now people will ask what's the utility behind it yeah what's the roadmap right i want to know like one year two years down yeah like who are you hiring like stuff like that yeah dox yourself yeah. as well yeah dox yourself as well yeah which makes sense right because it's like that's pretty much what people expect when it comes to let's say like startup investing in like the web 2 world that's those are the questions right and i think that's kind of where web 3 is kind of headed it is a little different but still like the demands of like building a good company is the same right the fundamentals correct Exactly. Yeah. And I, the way I look at it is like, you know, in the beginning of like the golden era, it's not the right word, but you know, during the early times, you know, it was important to be early and fast. And I feel like now, because, you know, early is kind of over in, in a certain sense, it's like, well, it's still kind of early, but not as early as before. You just have to be good. Yes. Pretty much, right? Yes. You have to really stand out and differentiate mm -hmm. yourself with a, yeah. and give people a reason, right? why you are different and why they should buy your nfts and not another project yeah yeah because it's competition right whereas before it was like oh there's only like crypto punks and cyber kongs and then there's nothing else so let's just buy that one exactly so you really have to give them a reason of your unique 
selling proposition. I think that's good because like, you know, I'm someone that loves competition where it kind of inspires you to work harder, inspires, inspires more ideas. Like I, I remember when I first started on YouTube, which was in December, like half a year ago. And then I was looking at the YouTube videos and everyone was just like using their webcam and like, you know, bad microphone. It's just like no edits and it wasn't that interesting. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just take the production level to a whole new level. Now everyone's kind of forced to do the same thing, right? Because it's competition. Yeah. And I have watched your videos. You've done a really great job at coming up with mm. competition in this space for YouTube site for the YouTube yeah. scene. Yeah. And that's good. That's good for everybody because, you know, I hope that when people watch my stuff, they're thinking, dang, I got to level up everything. And I'm sure you feel the same way when it comes to like NFTs and, and building a project, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we come to closer to the end of the, our interview, are there any final words you have for our beautiful audience over here? Anything you want to leave them with about few yourself or maybe just philosophy in general? Yeah. So one of the things that helped me as I started in Web3 is focus on finding your skills first, skills in which, you know, you can contribute to the space in a whole. Basically, for me, I started out with nothing, but the way I got to where I am right now is through giving value back to those around me and not expecting anything in return. Because eventually, good karma, if you guys believe in karma, will come back to you in one way, form or another. And it's all about making friends and connections in the Web3 space. That's how you get far in this space, yes. I agree with that. Give, 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 give. Maybe ask a little bit and then make a lot of friends. Exactly. You'll do so well in this space, you can actually thrive. Yeah, no, I hear you, I hear you. Because I feel like most people, they think like, oh my God, like I gotta make as much money as possible because this moment's not gonna last forever. And then they do, you know, short-term projects maybe, right? But I hear you, I think, I think when you think about things in the long-term, it's much better to actually just to give, give, give and, and not really ask for anything. Make a lot of friends along the way, right? And I mean, that's how we're kind of talking right now, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay, great. Well, those are some good final words. Takoa, I appreciate you. For anyone who wants to learn more about Few, make sure to check out their Twitter, check out their Discord, learn more about, you know, when the Mint is coming. And when is the Mint coming, by the way? Is that to be determined? Yeah, because of the current state of the markets, we have been mm -hmm. pushing that back. We can expect that somewhere maybe next month, early next month or mm -hmm. next month yeah okay so we'll see where the market's at all right guys so that's it for this interview appreciate you guys watching and to i'll see you later all right thank you patrick yeah no worries